there. Welcome back to another episode of MVP Business, where we showcase leaders who live through their mission, vision, and passion to drive growth, profits, and loyalty. I'm your host, Steph Silver. I'm the founder of Vine Collective, a leadership, branding, and marketing agency helping meaning-filled organizations create meaningful brand experiences. Today's guests are both Liz Deering and Ben Gibson, co-founders of The Uninc, an online campus full of tools and mentors designed to push, guide, and support founders as they develop their businesses. Their mission is to walk alongside intentional creators, supporting them in their journey to craft their own unique venture. I'm going to start a little differently this time because I was really inspired by the quotes or the statements that Liz and Ben have on their website. It's, it's very, very different than what I've seen um, from other incubators or businesses in general. So Liz says, I believe our culture needs to fundamentally shift to empower change makers from diverse backgrounds. And Ben says, I imagine a world where the earliest stage dreamers are champions and the ones who boldly speak the truth and want to change the world. So I think that says a lot about who you guys are and what you think and what you're trying to do. Um, we could just run with that, or we could start with you guys telling me a little bit about how your history has shaped you up until this point, how you got to this place called the Unink. <laughs> That's a hell of an intro. Thank you. That feels great. I haven't looked back at those quotes in a while, so that was really cool to uh, to hear that back. Like, um, wow, I'm inspirational. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was surprised I said that. Yeah. So some copywriter said it really well for you. <laughs> no, that was great. Um, how did we get here? That's a good question. Mm -hmm. It is easier to draw the lines backwards from this point than it is to understand it moving forward. You know, um, I think for myself, um, one of the ways that I ended up here is by just entrepreneuring for a long time. Um, been 10 years since I've had a regular job and over that time there's been a lot of loss and risk and chaos and also a lot of joy. Um, part of what brought Ben and I together to start the Unink was this shared experience of feeling like we didn't fit into the typical mold of an entrepreneur. You know when you think about like who ends up on Forbes <laughs> or Entrepreneur Magazine. Um, and just kind of wishing there was a space for those of us who are creative, those of us who are intentional, um, those of us who might not fit into the typical like tech bro category. Um, right. Most so I think that's a big part of it. On tech, right? Yeah, most folks on tech and also, you know, just it's a lot of inaccessible a lot, you know, the mm -hmm. chance to have mentorship and support in a path to build a business is inaccessible to a lot of people. So I think that's one of the things that brought us together to build this was that shared experience of in our own different paths feeling like we didn't have that support and wished it existed and wanted to like create it for people mm -hmm. yeah and I, I would just uh, i'd say my story um starts in a little conservative hyper religious west texas town uh andrews texas um about fifteen thousand population and um Coming from there, being a little gay boy, 
you know, not, not really ever having been accepted for my sexuality, for my creativity, for, for all kinds of different things. It's not just Andrews. I think it's a, it's a cultural thing, mm-hmm. but, um, I think that was where my my story starts of like wanting to create something for people who felt like misfits and uh i've been, I've been talking about dreamers so I, I call them dreamers i call myself a dreamer for for a long time now and so yeah over the years building different businesses to serve dreamers and um finally meeting liz at a south by southwest i was making a documentary about the purpose of life <laughs> and uh she walks out of a bar and I catch her and I say, hey, what's the purpose of life? But uh, that's the first time I met Liz. And um, yeah, and I was in the middle of trying to, uh, I was in the middle of trying to launch my previous business at South by at the Startup Crawl. And um, I was really stressed out. I was, it was pretty crazy times. So he said, you want to talk about the meaning of life? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> That sounds great. Let's talk about the meaning of life. I don't remember what I said because um, I was not in the best state of mind. Yeah, she didn't make the cut. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I hope you still have the tape, though. I don't know if he still does. That's a good question. Did mm-hmm. he freeze up? Yeah, he's frozen. So, um, so that's a good point. Let's carry on from there, Liz, because that was my next question is how you came together. I love the story of you guys had kind of two different businesses and they collided literally on the street during South by Southwest <laughs> in Austin and yeah. then beyond that. So, so talk to us a little bit about your thought process in developing this partnership. Yeah, we started to collaborate after we met there. He, um, he did a film piece for my business at the time and we started to kind of get to know each other and um, Ben was running a filmmaker space um, off on Riverside called Evolution. It was like a co-working space for filmmakers. It was really scrappy and really awesome. You would get in there and it just felt like this community, you know, of creators. And I was exiting my business at that point and I said I wanted to start something new and I wanted to work with women so I was starting this business called Haven which um, I imagine at the time was going to be this like series of workshops for women founders. So we started talking and said, what if we found an office space together? Because his, he was outgrowing his space and I didn't have a space. So we started to like look together and try to figure out what we wanted. And we ended up finding this serendipitous space. Like literally it just appeared in front of us. <laughs> we, we were looking for like a bungalow house to make a space because we wanted it to feel cozy. Mm-hmm. And um, I had just moved apartments. I moved into this little house in Hyde Park. And um, about a month after I moved, my landlord said, hey, do you know anybody that wants a, is looking for a house? Because the other house on the front of the property, I also own. And I want to rent it out. And I was like, how big is it? How much does it cost? And she told me. And I called Ben up and I was like, get over here. This is our office. This is crazy. So, so cool. we decided to go in on it together. And um split down the middle everything and just started you know, open both of our businesses inside the same building um and for me it was an incredible experience too because it was the ability to have my daughter right there on the same property yeah, when perfect. i was working and i could just go back and forth and she could come to the cohort you know um she's been always inside of our business and so that was awesome so that was the beginnings of it we started to run our two businesses in that space and 
we had a whole room full of film gear. We had creatives coming and going, and then we had workshops happening in the front. And pretty soon we started realizing we were doing the same work, like mm -hmm. literally doing the same work. Um, and I remember Ben crashing into a brainstorm meeting I was having with a couple of the women that I was working with about like our program and he started to structure it like no this is making it doesn't make any sense you guys need three three series or like a three-part you know phases and here's how it might work and he started whiteboarding with us and then he was just in the meeting and we were like oh well this is good you know um you want to tell the rest Ben then what it's been history ever since I I, I think my part on my part on uh coming into it with Liz is like I I'd never had an official business partnership before so I had no idea what it was or and Liz had much more context for partnership uh, but I think ever since I met Liz at South by I just my whole body told me that she was one of the most genuine powerful women I would ever come across and so I was just always talking to her, talking about business. We're always collaborating on little projects before we um, moved into the same op office together. And um, yeah, and then when the conversation came up about us being part business partners, it's like, yeah, let's, let's try it. We'd already known each other for several years. So um, it's definitely one of the best decisions I've ever made. So. Isn't it interesting how, um you know, life can work synchronistically that way when you're not even paying attention. You didn't know that you wished for it. You didn't know that it was in there. And then all of a sudden you meet this, you know, person that's perfect for you at the time for your needs. And you didn't even know you needed it. Well, to be honest, I was looking for a new office because I couldn't afford the rent where I was at. So <laughs> I, I was in trouble. I was like, can't get enough members. What am I going to do? Liz going to help pay half the rent. I think I can make this work. <laughs> Let's move. <laughs> yeah and we both realized at that point too that we're just both love spaces like we love hosting in spaces and having people there and um cooking for them all the things you know um and this is actually the first year we don't have our own space because we're working with other spaces but mm -hmm. together we realized we really loved creating the energy in the co-working space and um just generating this new way of being like this hustle, but not like a kind of mechanical, you know, like we're robots, we're making a business kind of energy, more of like, let's just be real about it. And people would show up just to work like around us. <laughs> and then we started to realize that that was part of what we were doing. So I mean, the unincubator name and brand and programming all started in that house, us just whiteboarding and making up versions of curriculum and then running them and running cohorts of 10 people at a time. So is the business set up 50-50? Yes, it is. 100% 50-50. Did you hire an attorney or did you just wing it and say, like, I think this, it, you know, like, I'll sign here saying I won't mess you over. I'll sit here saying I'll try to be honest. Yeah. Well, actually, um, I don't think I sought out legal consulting, but what me and Liz did is we, well, when we first started arranging our partnership, we just had this long email going back and forth where we just really just put forward our intents for what we really wanted in our own business and what we wanted in our own life. And for a, for a while, I mean, they, we still have them. We still refer back to them and they kind of sound like marriage vows a little bit, <laughs> but, but, but um, 
that's how we did it. We, we just came from a real, real place and really honest about what we want in our lives. And then we just started kind of like promising each other things saying like, for like one of the things in there, for example, that's still in our now in our current partnership agreement is like, I promise to give you creative freedom. Like, creative freedom. We, like all about like, how could we be partners and align in our intent, but then also not try to control each other because we both are very creative humans and need like space to do that. And um, just, we wrote a lot of things I think out of what we were f afraid of, you know, and wanting to say, this is what we think is possible if we're both on the same page. And Ben said, I have a lot of context for partnership. That's because I've had several pretty rough partnership breakups. So I was like, but I'm a very optimistic person. I just figured I'm made for the partnership thing. I'm just, I just hadn't found the right partner for me in terms of someone that could like hold the intent with me for a business, someone that could grow a network with me, someone who people would trust just as much as they would trust me. You know, like those things were just missing in the past and I couldn't. And someone who work. won't bail. Yeah, someone yeah. won't bail. That was the top thing. <laughs> yep. So do you, how do you go about making decisions? Are you really good about just having those honest conversations or is there, are there times, what happens? I assume that there are times where you're going down this path and then you, you know, there's a, a friction, right? There's gotta be from time to time. How do you work that out? Good question. Um, yeah, everybody we've ever gotten advice from says 50-50 is not a great idea from a decision-making perspective. Yeah. But Nobody we still have it. kept it. No one likes it. Um, because we figure if we can't come to an agreement, then we're not really still aligned as partners. So it's like we either are or not on the same page. Um, sometimes we really disagree on like pacing or direction of things. Um, but we've kind of had a couple different things we've tried that have helped us to really, I think we've gotten better over, over the years at it. Um, we used to kind of just wing it and like come at each other with our opinions. <laughs> And, you know, we're both pretty emotionally intelligent people, but we would still kind of trip all over each other and like hurt each other's feelings. Now we come to it a little bit more carefully, I think, like to, to bring up to each other, hey, this is something that I really feel strongly about. Can we talk about it? And we've also learned to just not try to make decisions quickly, but to say like, okay, we talked about it. Let's let it breathe, you know, for a little bit. Let's come back to it late at the end of the week or in a week or something and then say now how do we think about it because uh, it sometimes it just takes time to percolate and every decision as you know in a startup affects everything so it's like oh if we do this thing then what happens to your workload my workload our revenue like you know we have to kind of think through all the pieces i'd say it's definitely a challenge for me to learn how to make decisions with liz because having you know doing my own projects and businesses in the past like calling the shots and going with it whatever I think and just going with it quickly like um, that's what I was very used to mm -hmm. and over the years I've learned that with Liz it's actually been so healthy for me to have somebody that slows me down that can yeah. kind of be a filter for my creativity and my energy and um, so I and, and but how we make decisions now just seems so effortless almost like we just we communicate enough consistently that we hardly come across um times like it's very rare that we don't agree on something because we communicate so often mm -hmm. and, and one of the best practices we have 
ever done for our partnership was um, we, we started it like at the lowest point of my, one of the lowest points for me in our business. Uh, but Justin Foster recommended that we, that we ask each other three questions. He, he says, ask each other, where is the love? What is true? And what's on your heart? And every single Friday, Liz and I have a glass of wine and we ask each other those questions. And it has just, um, it just opens up a space for us to be vulnerable with each other and um, share what's share what's on our heart, you know? And so we, we agree almost all the time. <laughs> it, it's true and it, it helps a lot because for me, knowing that that space exists outside of like the wearing all the hats of our business hats, then I can, a lot of times the things I think we might fight about professionally get resolved in that space because it's actually maybe something personal is going on that's like the root of a stress point and then we yeah. understand each other so we're not riding the other person or, you know, like unaware of the stress that the other one's going through. So. Two different buckets, yeah. Like yeah. I, I have to put things like, if things like we're talking about the business go over here, things that are personal go over here, the things that we have to move through and to make decisions are always in the personal bucket. Like when it comes to the business bucket, like a lot of times for me, I don't really know enough about the decisions we're making. So we got to seek other people to help us make those decisions. But um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's been pretty huge for us that we started that practice over two years ago. And mm -hmm. it was, yeah, it was one of the lowest parts for us financially. We weren't sure if what we were doing was ever going to work <laughs> as a business. And we were um, just really struggling with it, trying to, figure out the next way forward and then financially it was affecting both of us so it was just really hard on our partnership and um yeah I literally I went to Justin and I said I need tips on how to I said I just need tips on how to like grow this relationship as a partnership because we're struggling and this is hard and I don't have any I don't have a guidebook <laughs> he doesn't have a guidebook and he said well you you need to set aside time outside of work where there is no work that goes on and you need to invest in that partnership. Mm -hmm. And then I was actually nervous to come back and tell Ben the ideas because I felt like, almost like I felt like as if I had gone to a marriage counselor behind his back or something, you know? And I, and I was like, also it was really vulnerable for me to say to him, but things shit so bad that I'm asking people for help, you know? Like, but I, I was really seriously concerned and I felt like we have, to, we have to get through this together, you know? Like, I don't know what to do. Um, and no, he took it really well. And we've been doing that practice ever since. We got through it. Yes, we did. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's one of the things that I, I was just talking to someone who's a business consultant and strategist. And um, the, the hardest thing, uh, no matter the size of your business, is uh, being honest and vulnerable. And, um, and, and then not taking offense when someone else is. You know, if somebody says, you know, it really hurts me when this happens or, or, you know, this thing that you always do, you know, it's just like, it is a marriage. It's a relationship. And we spend more time with people that we work with than we do with our spouses and our families most of the time, not during COVID, but uh, in general. So, but, but yeah, I mean, it's honest and open uh, conversations and sometimes it feels like it can hurt, but you have to allow that to sit, like you said, like sit and then walk away. Um, with both of you guys being creatives, obviously there's a lot, there's a lot of heart in that in general. Um, and sometimes it's hard to kind of put the heart aside and look at the analytics. 
do you have someone that you bring in or who, who helps you with or which one of you has um, taken on the role of uh, financials and analytics and you know that data-driven stuff that a lot of times creatives uh, struggle with? I think what's interesting is we, we <laughs> I have a different answer. <laughs> Not him most of the, not him when it comes to financials, but definitely him when it comes to um, like new strategy, new frameworks and new strategies. So both Ben and I have um, a lot of creative in us and also a lot of strategy in us. And so we can kind of switch hats. So we can both be in creative mode or one of us can be in strategic mode or we can both be strategic. So in strategy world, I think Ben's strong suit is bringing new frameworks to say, like right now we're working on how could we improve our program and have more of a curriculum framework to it. So he's getting really strategic about it. We brought in somebody to help with that that is like a curriculum designer um, and a learning expert and but Ben's kind of driving that and then when it comes to the numbers like I I am surprised that I like the numbers because I was like an English major originally, you know? <laughs> and numbers are not my friend in school. Um, but I love the numbers now because I love being able to see into the future, you know, or see into the possible future. So I am the one that, you know, takes the lead on monthly budgets, numbers for the future, trying to figure out what, what were decisions we're making, what do they mean in numbers. Um, and then we, we pull in mentors and advisors to help us as well to look at what we're doing and to say, you guys have missed something or have you guys thought about this? Um, so we're, we try to do it as often as we can because you did get kind of lost in your own, you know, ideas <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Have you always had that philosophy of um, bringing in mentors and advisors? Because it's another um, uh, vulnerability, you know, to be able to be honest. That's a really great question. No, I have not. <laughs> I have gotten better at it because Ben has pushed me to get better at it. So he's given me that face. He, at the very beginning of our partnership, he would say, hey, Liz, we made up, you know, we made up this great plan. Let's bring some people in to tear it apart. And I'd be like, we're fine. I don't want anybody else to look at this. Like I really guarded about everything. Mm -hmm. And over time, I've like loosened up and loosened up and loosened up and kind of followed his lead more to, and we, we're just surrounded by so many amazing, talented people that are mentors in our program. It would be silly not to ask them, right? But I would say it took me the first couple of years of the business to really change my habits because my habits were like protective only. That was the whole, and if I met with a mentor, I just wanted to tell them a good story. Like I didn't want to yeah. unpack the problems. And um, what do you think, Ben? Those are my thoughts. I think it also how Liz is describing her personality, it's also a gift that she, protects the business and she holds it to holds it to you know to a high standard and I think I've always I'm, I'm definitely the one who still pushes on like are we doing this right like let's get let's run this by someone or let's talk through this with somebody before we do this so um I'm definitely the one who's uh, more uh problem focused I'm always looking for problems Mm -hmm. And Liz is always more like solution focused. So she loves the solution. She loves building the solution and she loves built, spreading it and talking about it. And I like digging into the what's wrong. <laughs> yeah. And so you're both kind of the, 
the visionaries in the in the organization, which is great because you're constantly growing and, and, and changing and and moving up. Does one of you kind of kind of um, take on the implementer role more or um, the integrator, or do you feel like depending on the program, you each kind of run with it? You go. Let me start. <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely say Liz is. 100% more consistent than me. She like, she, I think I may be speaking for you, Lizar, but I think she like enjoys the consistency of a business and I do not. So I am more in my flow when I am doing something new. I'm creating something new and I'm off to the races with experimenting and, you know, doing that. So that's where I fit more. That's where I try to place myself, which also comes with, with its issues of like, feeling like I'm lost sometimes or like, <laughs> like, what am I doing next? Like going through existential crisis, you know, like, <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah every time something about. actually works, he has an existential crisis or every, you know, cause it's like, he just built, he just helped push this thing forward. And now, now that's what? <laughs> now what's next? Yeah. That's really interesting. I, I think I'm the, I'm the same way. And that's, um, maybe the necessity of the visionary role, that person that's always looking for, for something next. It is hard because yeah, as soon as something succeeds, you're like, dang it. Now I've got to create something new. What's, you know, what's up on the horizon? Um, or, or how can we look back and tweak it? Like you said, okay, now that it's done, what's wrong with it? Um, so that, yeah, that's, that's what's interesting you say that. Cause he, Cause he's always doing that and I will my yeah my motivation definitely comes from I like put, holding all the pieces together so think like from the very beginning thinking about what we're making how does it work what's the ecosystem what happens then and then and then building processes and systems to make it work and then making those happen you know and those are the consistent parts but I also do really like going on the future tripping adventures with him like I you know I like to be to go on the adventure I just don't want to do it on the regular. I think I like the consistency of a, of a routine and, and of a, and of a business that's functioning, which has taken us a long time to get to. Yeah. And I'd also add that I like, as much as I love to think of myself as visionary and futuristic and all this, but I think Liz ultimately holds the vision for our company. She holds it. So, and oh, then she, yeah. and then she takes it there, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, I can come up with a hundred different strategies and visions in one day, you know, <laughs> and do that. But ultimately like me exploring and doing those things is where, and then us coming to an agreement that maybe this direction is good for us is where I think she then will adopt some of those into what she's seeing. And then we go together and we move forward. That's how I, I've kind of learned how it works with us. Mm -hmm. I have no idea how it works with other partnerships, but it's been fun getting here. <laughs> That's great. And that's that balance that, yeah, each partnership has to um, see where, where the strengths are and where, you know, where they can let go of the reins because there's another strength. There's a reason for the partnership. There's so many benefits. And that's why I'm so excited to be talking to you guys about this because, um, you know, a, a lot of the advice that I've been given over the years is like, oh gosh, no, do not start a partnership. It's the worst. You're, you'll end up hating the other person. Um, the, you know, the divorce breakup buyout is terrible, but then, you know, yeah. I see like you guys, it's like, oh, you have a happy marriage and it works out and there's, struggles. there's so many benefits to it. <laughs> it's so funny that you say it that way because, you know, the, yeah, the general advice is that 
partnerships are hard yeah. and don't often work. They never them. work. I've read books that they say they just never work. They never literally. Yeah, yeah. I think it has, I honestly think that this is maybe a little bit on the woo-woo side of things, but I feel like going into a partnership, you have to believe that that's what you want. Like, like I knew going into this, even though I had just came out of a failed business partnership that was really sad and awful, I still wanted to be in a partnership and I knew I was better, you know, as a leader in a partnership, like more creative, more risk-taking, more strategic, like I, it like brings out the best in me. And I knew I still wanted that, even though the last formation of it had fallen apart for me. And I think maybe that's part of what keeps us going as partners too, is we do truly want to be partners or want to have a partner versus saying, oh, I can just go do this by myself when stuff gets hard, you know? I don't know what you think, Ben. I think I kind of convinced him that partnership was worth considering at the beginning, because he was like, I, I, I do know it'd be a hell of a lonely experience without a partner. Um, just building business in the past is, it's freaking hard to do it by yourself. And it's really hard to do it with, with people who aren't as bought into the idea as you are and who can match you. Um, that's just so hard to come by. Um, so yeah, I definitely just enjoy going through the, being in the trenches of building a business with somebody else. It just makes it so much more easy to laugh about it, to cry about it, to cheers about it, to share your victories and all that. It's just, worth every every bit of what comes with having a partnership to me yeah i agree i um in the my previous work experience i wasn't a owner but there were two of us that bounced everything off of each other um president and vice president and it was it was like a, it was an equal partnership in in the decision making standpoint and it was really powerful because we disagreed on most things <laughs> but that helped us to kind of say okay well this is you know this is this thing to consider well this is the worst possible you know scenario that might happen okay so how do we get to some equal ground or what kind of risks are we willing to take somewhere in the middle so the first thing that i did when i started vine was get a business coach because i've been told that you know the partnership is a no-go um, and I didn't really know 100% what I was going to do anyway, but I thought, I don't want, I, I can't process this by myself. And I, I need someone to, you know, to bounce my ideas off, tell me when I'm crazy, tell me when to go for it, you know, all those things um, yeah. without yeah. having to like really get married yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's good practice but, though, you know, it's good practice yeah. either way because you're open to the input. You're not trying to just call all the shots, you're actually trusting that like feedback is going to shift your perspective, which is huge. Like we had, you know, I think one of the biggest challenges for us when we first decided to partner was we both had our own businesses and we were very personally invested in those businesses, like as our personal brands. Right. Mm -hmm. So we went through this long process of, are we going to make this new brand? Are we merging our old brands? Like, yeah. what are we doing? It was almost like names in a marriage, right? Like, Am I keeping my name? Am I leaving my name behind? Like, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. And we actually, for a minute, we had like the Unink brand and both of our brands with it in this like lockup of three mm -hmm. on everything we did. And then at some point 
we realized like this is just straight up confusing <laughs> like like how many businesses did the two of us need to have you know but we were both kind of hanging on to our personal brands because it was very scary to go all in to the on ink brand and just leave our other brands so we made this pact that we would both leave our other brands alone for at least a year just uh -huh. leave them not not kill them but just not invest time and energy in them not work on them not run revenue through them you know like just leave them alone and launch the on ink together and i think that was like a huge trust building yeah process for us to say look at us we're both doing that we're both giving up individuality we're creating this team together and we're both invested in this brand you know at the same level of risk and it, wor it worked and at some point we were like oh what were those should we bring those back as our personal brands what were those again like we hadn't touched them in so long that we've it wasn't even a topic anymore, but it was a huge topic at the time because we were both really attached to, you know, to our, our individuality. Your babies. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the things that works for you guys, um, it sounds like there's an equal amount of effort um, and, and buy-in that has gone into the Unink. Um, during this whole process, was that one of the hardest decisions to make of what to do with those though your babies your original personal brands or, or was there another was there another kind of circumstance or decision that would trump that <laughs> what would you say ben um the main thing that comes up on this topic is like my identity my identity was really connected to my old brand and i was had this like really big fear of I st and i still face this fear in this partnership it's like where is my voice in this like where is my personal where is my personal voice in this how do i express myself through this brand at equally uh, with liz um do i need to hang on to my personal brand in order to be able to do that so I think that's kind of what comes up for me on this topic. Um, I'm still exploring it. I'm still trying to figure it out. Like this, this podcast interview is a, one, the first time me and Liz get to talk about the Unique brand together. So this is it's new for us and it's really good for us, I think. Um, I'm also still exploring my own personal brand thinking, is there something I need to do there? Is there something I need to protect or foster? Like thought leadership and moving it forward that way um individually yeah and we've been sort of this year we kind of gave each other freedom to say okay revive the personal brand if we want to and play with it don't like to not make it be like a an essential piece of our business but to make yeah. it be fun again it can be and distracting that, <laughs> it can be quite distracting yes <laughs> it can also be really stressful if we're trying to tell each other what to do with our personal brands whenever yeah. It's like that's the that's kind of part of the creative freedom piece that we're trying to exercise. So, you know, we still both have our personal brands, and I, I for the last four years of our partnership just just blogged randomly. Like I didn't really do anything else with my personal brand. I just blogged when I felt like it. Didn't do much, and then this year launched a podcast under my personal brand, and that was really fun because it it gave me a chance to just to make stuff up on the fly and not be strategic which I feel like I'm always being, you know, planning like how it all fits together. I didn't have to think about it with that. And it was just a fun endeavor. And then I've seen Ben kind of exploring like what he does with his in terms of 
writing and storytelling and um, different expressions. I mean, there's been a lot of creative projects we've had over the years that really had nothing to do with Hanek. We just did them together because they were fun <laughs> or they were, they were something that was important, you know, um, like two years, for two years in a row, we, Ben wanted to run, like start the first ever West Texas Pride Festival in his small hometown. Talking about, talking so about I helped him, So I helped him build it, run it, and it was <laughs> so fun. It had nothing to do with our brand, really. It had nothing to do with our brand. Nothing to do with our business model, but yeah. we produced uh, the first what, uh, Pride in uh, Andrews, in my hometown. And it just came out of me, and I had to do it, you know? I, I, couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't stop it. And um, Liz was gracious enough to come board and help me with that project. But looking back, that's a, uh, sorry if Siren's too loud. But that's just, a, that's just an example of like how um, in the past, like this personal expression of mine, like trying to force itself into the unequal, maybe it didn't necessarily mean to be, but Liz was down for the game. So we did it. I would say, actually, um, it's, it's interesting when you have a, an organization that your personal beliefs are tied to, um, that a lot of times those tangent projects are more related to your brand than, than you realize. So you're, you guys are talking about like, oh my gosh, this thing was totally not. And I, I'm looking up and I'm like, I don't know, because one of the things <laughs> that I have for you is, what do you mean by providing a safe space for people to find their voice? That's what you said, and that's what you did in Andrews. Yeah. So it is your brand. It's, it's, it, it, is it tangential? Yes, but it still aligns with, and this is, this is the kind of the, the murky waters of branding that we're in in this world of what do you stand for? What are you willing to stand up for? What are you willing to put your voice in and against or with, um, you know, like Chick-fil-A, they put their voice out there, what, what they spend their money on, you know, their, their um, customers know what that is. Same thing with Hobby Lobby or, you know, so um, whether you know it or not, you really are aligning and putting your your personal life into your business and a lot of times you don't realize that they really are connected um so yeah that 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 quote that you know came directly from you aligns 100 percent with that project you just said it's not aligned that's what that's interesting you say that because i think that's what made it easy for me to get on board i wasn't you know it wasn't a question of like is this a is this like a a good endeavor like clearly it's a good endeavor you know it clearly it aligns with like a lot of values that we both share around helping people to find themselves or express themselves or holding space for people to to do that and and you know i think that it's easy in the early stages of a business to get down on yourself to say these are all these crazy ideas none of them are like making money like what are you know when are we going to make money but i think that's all that expression and all those explorations are part of building a brand actually. And yeah. that's why I, I always like see myself as the brand police for Unink and I was all about pride. I was like, let's go do pride because this is like near and dear to Ben's heart. It's part of his story. We are the founders, like, let's go, you know, like it was just felt really good. Well, and that's where with your, um, your values, morals and creative beliefs aligned 
so so that it it's it's okay that it that's that's within your brand but if they if one of you didn't believe or didn't agree or didn't feel as strongly then that's where it it can get kind of sticky because maybe it aligns with the brand and it aligns with one of your values but not the other and that's that's a, a much more difficult conversation that's true so well done guys <laughs> oh thanks this year, this year i kind of missed it a little bit this is the first year we didn't go do it but um it still happened online though we did it online that, yeah everything it was not online. the same it's there is just something super moving about being in this small town with people who you know really want to celebrate but are afraid to celebrate and then sh like rolling in from Austin being like, let's go, you know, like there's just something really freeing about that. So yeah, it was really good. That's very cool. Yeah. I Wimberley, I live in Driftwood and Wimberley had um, one of their first big pride uh, parades a couple of years ago and it was really exciting. Now it's an artistic community. So it's um, much easier than a lot of small towns in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's really fun to see that, um, that spirit opening up and trickling through and across the, the world in a way that it hasn't been. So it is. I, I commend you guys for helping to lead that charge. It's awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it's definitely an experience of a lifetime, I'd say, to do that. One of the funnest things we've ever done. Yeah. Were you scared, Ben? I mean, that's your hometown. I know you've already come out and like done your I, thing. No, it actually came out a month before we did it. I think it was like me and Liz, we used to run this thing with the unink and we, uh, this, we had this methodology or this idea that we, uh, called born from pain that, uh, we, we talked a lot about in our cohorts about the most painful experiences sometimes will create the most meaningful, uh, solutions in the world and this was the most clear example of born from pain for me it was like coming out to my family and i mean i'm a creative anyway so i would like create haunted houses and other things but this experience in particular being felt like i was shunned by my family and just going to that place of anger i was just angry i was angry and i wanted to do something about it and um I can still get angry about it, thinking about it, but um, yeah, wanting to do something about it. And I woke up uh, one morning and I just, I had to do it. I had to do it. And I even text Liz, I was like, I think I'm going to do Pride in West Texas. And she's like, all right, <laughs> let's go. I was like, come over. We got to plan it. Isn't it? He was like, I think it's in like a couple of weeks. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> And it was, and it got scarier. It got scarier. Like, idea was cool. Got some traction on Facebook, and I produced the entire thing from my phone on Facebook. It's it was just one of the coolest things. How what Facebook can let you do. Uh huh. I got some traction on Facebook, and there was a petition that got involved, and then it, the petition that got involved really threw it over the top, and um, news petitioning to shut it down basically. Yeah. So then and, we were uh, then we were like in PR um, PR mode trying to like come up with a response. Like I drafted a response that we sent back to the petition to the petition, and then it got a ton of 
exposure because everyone was like, yeah, why is this getting, why is this a petition out there? This is crazy. We should have this event, you know? Then it was a smash success because of the petition. It was so an emotional you. roller coaster for sure. <laughs> You're like, thank you, opposition. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, the opposition helped a lot. It was pretty crazy. And um, and then the next year we got more kind of polished with it because we kind of knew what we had done the year before. We took our, we have, so ever since Ben started his last brand, he has had these Dreamer t-shirts that are pretty iconic at this point. Well, we made a remake of the Dreamer t-shirt in rainbow and we had like a whole set of gear. We had like, a very different kind of approach to the second year of like organization of like Ben had a whole committee and we had like all this stuff going on, but um, there's nothing like the rush of the first one. It yeah. was that is so cool. Yeah. Being born out of pain. I like that concept. And I think um, I actually heard something about it just this morning, something I was reading um, and it's true. Some of the, some of the, I mean, everything is born out of some kind of pain, right? You're overcoming a problem of some sort, but when it's a real, like a heartfelt pain, um, it just kind of bursts out of you. Yeah. And it can be so powerful because we have a lot of guts when we're, when we're just expressing or when we're just angry or, you know, like having that moment of this needs to happen. People feel it. Mm -hmm. And people can feel your energy. They get on board, you know? Magic. Yeah. I think that's where the, so my original notion whenever, before um, Ben and I met when I was starting this idea of of Haven, which morphed into the On Inc, it was coming from an angry place of like having dealt with a lot of discrimination in like the tech scene and the investor scene and just uh, being sick of not fitting in, like being sick of being mistaken for a secretary or for like somebody's assistant and then being the only woman pitching and you know, like all these kind of things were really hard and I was pretty angry. Like I, I had, I have definitely war like warmed up since then, but I was pretty pissed. Like that's why it was the unincubator. Cause I was kind of like, screw you guys. Like mm -hmm. it's since become what it's about and not what it's not, but it, it started yeah. from what it was the opposite of, you know? So I think it's powerful. What we, we tend to like stuff that stuff down because we think, Oh, that's not very professional. My anger about this personal experience, but it's very motivating to people's, work into their like meaning in their life and it is energizing and you definitely pull people in with you um it, but it is like you said it's important to kind of turn that around to the positive and make sure that that those are the people that you're bringing with you too because it changes the voice the tone the pitch the direction yeah. the momentum and keeping the momentum like i feel like anger kind of pulls you down and um it doesn't allow you to like keep that forward momentum in a way that passion and excitement does yeah i agree with that so talk to me a little bit i think this is a good transitionary point to talk about design thinking you guys have an awesome commitment to well they almost dropped my water to design thinking um and i think a, a lot of that is surrounded uh or is uh in in the the baseline context of experience right so that's why i think it's a good time to talk about it tell me what it is, what it means to you, and why you have um, kind of, that's the foundational element for what you guys do. You want to talk about it, Ben? Sure. Um, yeah, I think we took it, it took us a couple of years building curriculum and running programming with entrepreneurs before we realized uh, that design thinking was a perfect framework for us to sort of 
adopt and, and run our program. But I, it's run our program through. And I think the design thinking framework gives really great context for um, entrepreneurs who are just starting to see if their problem is even something that other people care about solving you know, outside of themselves. And so that's what I'd say that the, the, the number one thing about design thinking that we've seen it when we run it through our cohorts is that people get to dig into where where the problem that they're trying to solve comes from and there's magic that happens in that because there's magic that happens in that because your the your first inclination is to think that the problem is outside of you that you want to go fix this problem that's out there in the world but then in our cohort we see that these entrepreneurs spend this time reflecting inwards and they say what is this problem that i'm trying to solve and they see that oh maybe this is a problem that i'm actually going through myself and can make these connections between their own story and their personal mission so to me that's why i love the design thinking process because the way we run and the way we use it, it helps people get in touch with their, their personal mission and their own story, or like what the problem is they're trying to solve, why they're trying to solve it. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree with that. And then I think another thing that's really good for us with why design thinking is a helpful framework is that it's iterative. And so in the early mm -hmm. stages, you're in search of this fit, you know, between your, the problem and the solution that you're offering and trying to really figure it out. And it's, it's easy to get caught up in thinking the first idea is the only idea, you know, or has to be it. This process teaches people to, to iterate and iterate and iterate and always gather human feedback along the way, mm -hmm. as opposed to going off and making it perfect, you know, um, and then launching something that nobody really wants or no one understands. So I think I love watching people shift their mindset about the solution they're offering based on feedback and then mm. finding that fit. It takes a lot of practice to, get comfortable with how weird it is to be trying things and failing, you know, um, but it kind of normalizes that. And it is a practice I think can serve people throughout their whole business life, not just the beginning. Um, Cause things happen, right? You have to pivot. Like all of a sudden the bottom drops out and you have to shift your mindset. And now, now what do people need? And now how do you realign it? And so I love yeah, that and part starting, of it too. And starting small, like, in the framework design thinking, how we talk about prototyping, like uh -huh. starting small was something I completely shunned for my first three, four business. I thought I had to like invest so much money and I had to build it perfectly to start. And then it just never, it just never worked out that way for me. So I think we seeing entrepreneurs think about how, what's the smallest version that they can build as opposed to the most elaborate, expensive and, then getting caught up in oh, it's too expensive and I need all these people and resources to do what I think this solution is. I think that's another really great part about the design thing is like start small, don't invest $25,000 into a product line that you're never going to sell. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, and guess, what I, guess what I did. Don't do that. <laughs> in my garage, you want some? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, literally, I forgot. <laughs> we still have boxes. Okay. 
Yeah, I think that that's one of the things that I love about uh, the, so those two things are the kind of the key essential uh, concepts of design thinking is start small and prototype and iterate and continually get human feedback. Um, because like you said, what you think is the solution, like, you know, there's a problem, you know, there's a problem you have, there's a problem you've seen somebody else have, or there's a problem in the world you're trying to solve. Your initial concept may not be what's actually going to solve it or what people want right now. You know, like the iPhone concept was invented long before it was actually, um, marketed well, people, we just weren't ready for it yet. Um, so that, that concept of what's, what's going to be, uh, you know, your, your quick win to kind of pull you and propel you forward. And what do people really, um, resonate with? And it's the same thing with, um, uh, your messaging, you know, design thinking and what you're going to say, how you're going to say it, what's resonating with people. Um, you know, that concept of kind of put it out there, put it out there small, test it. Like you do, Ben, like, let's get people in here and tear it apart. You know, does this make sense? Yeah. Does it make sense to anyone outside of this, you know, cranial yeah. skull right here? <laughs> Sometimes it's a scary process too. I mean, it's, it's a scary process to do that your first couple times, you know, to think that you think that you have a solution that's good for the world and to go present it to people is actually pretty, it's pretty uh, tough thing to do. It is. It's um, definitely easier when you haven't invested $25,000 in product. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you really need it to work, you know? It's like, this has to work. Then you really need it to work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So tell me, um, are there any systems that you have put in place to stay true to your mission or your framework? Or um, do, you, uh, do you still kind of fly and go as it comes <laughs> i yeah. think my first answer that comes to mind is um for both for us and for the brand that we all the pieces of our brand um we wrote this poem that we use at the beginning of our cohort programs and that poem kind of encapsulates our our why and our mission and that's that kind of keeps us aligned at least for me i'll look back at it and i'll say okay this is like a very aspirational thing. And are we still moving that direction? You know, are we still doing that? And if yeah. not, then like, what's off, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. I think, um, especially you guys, you work with um, people who are, I, say, I feel like all businesses are, are change makers, but um, some are more mission driven change makers. And that's what yeah. you, you tend to work with and what I work with. And I struggled for a long time with um, what it is I'm actually doing. Cause I don't, I don't love marketing. I'm like Justin Foster. Like I do not love marketing. I don't like selling shit just because <laughs> I don't peddle my wares and peddle everybody else's wares and like find successes in the millions of dollars that are spent and, um, and earned. I want to feel like I'm doing something. And um, so I, I realized um, with the help of my business coach that the purpose of Vine Collective is not to produce the best communication. That's, that's what we do and that's what we strive to do. Um, it's not just to help our clients, you know, um, uh, sell their whatever, it's to help humans thrive. 
how, how is that connected to to marketing well that's through the experiences that we create yada 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 but at the end of the day it's really to help humans thrive so i'm constantly asking my teammates okay we're doing all these things and we have this you know automated workflow and this instagram and this 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 how is that helping the end user thrive how is that helping our customers thrive how is that helping you as you know vine collective team members thrive um and when you kind of look at it in that um that context it it changes the game kind of changes how you talk and and what you say and what what they feel empowered to say Totally. Have that poem as your kind of baseline to come back to. This is no, I was just going to say it reminds me that I, I, I guess I didn't even realize that I have a personal poem that is my baseline when I get into like really big decision mode. Uh, and it came to me in the middle of college. Um, and it's called the poem is called Leap Before You Look. Right. instead of look before you leap um like don't overanalyze it like if you're really really struggling just go for it just jump just make the leap don't live like sheep is part of the um the poem but um, <laughs> yeah so yeah i didn't even think about it till you just said that but like when i when i get to those like struggle moments where i'm like like tony robbins called like in the dance <laughs> like going back and forth between these two things I'm like just leap leap before you look yeah, I'll always go back to saying, are we, so the first line of the poem for us is, we are here to hold space for the creators, to walk alongside the lonely ones who will change the world. So I'll ask myself, are we holding space? Are we still working? Are we still doing it for the same people? You know, like, are, it kind of, it grounds us in like, is that really still what we're doing? However, we're pulling it off, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Because it may be that you have to do all your work through zoom <laughs> all of a sudden exactly. you know, there are no co-working spaces right now here you know yeah yeah, yeah. co-working is with your three-year-old child and your puppy or whatever <laughs> <laughs> yep exactly but people are still creating and they still need support and they still need to have you know a, a space for their voice to be to be heard yeah that's really cool so you guys work with so many different kinds of businesses. Are there any common mistakes that you've seen founders make kind of over and over again that you would um, kind of bring light to or? Go ahead, ben. Common, mis common mistakes. Uh, do you have something? I have to think for a second. Yeah, I think the first thing that um, jumps up to me is, I don't know if I call it a mistake, but it's like a belief that people have to let go of. They often come into our program or into our experience with the belief that there's something they're doing wrong, like they're wrong or they're, they're not good enough for this or something. Oh, yeah. There's no, because there's been no path, there's no examples. It doesn't seem to make it, it seems like chaos, <laughs> you know? So they, they kind of relearn through the experience with us that they are exactly where they're supposed to be. They are, they have what they need their their mentality has to shift because it takes a lot of belief to to walk this road and i think um that's probably one of the the biggest misbeliefs i've seen is is because we all we all tend to feel like that i didn't even identify with myself as a founder or entrepreneur until like my third business because i didn't think i looked or sounded or felt like the examples i had seen and um so yeah that's the first thing that comes to mind for me 
Yeah, it's it's a little tough to answer because I feel every entrepreneur has a different story that goes through our program. They have a different story, so they're faced with just a just an entirely different web of problems and experiences that they're moving through with us. Um, but I would I'd say if there's one and the most common mistake, it's probably something to do with what Liz is saying, but coming in not it's not a mistake really it's not a mistake that they make it's just a they just don't know yet how to trust the process as much as you can and i think and that's something i think that they all get out of it by the end of the process by the end of the, the program is learning how to trust the process of entrepreneurship and trusting that the next piece of what you're looking for what you're eating is going to unfold as you leap you know so yeah i think the other the other thing i would add on to that is i think um across our culture there's like a perfectionism or like a fear of failure Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. one of the mistakes people make is thinking that failure is like the end of the road you know it's not it's not it's just learning you know and it's it's not a cliche. I think it's true that like the more times you fail, the better you get at the practice of entrepreneurship. But because like Ben's saying, you trust the process, you trust your own gut more, you trust like things you can't see, <laughs> you know, you start to realize there's way more going on than what you think you're controlling. And yeah. so, yeah, the mistakes I think are, are important. How much value is there to follow your gut and your intuition and just go in the direction that you think is the best direction, whether it's completely wrong or not. Like that is so valuable to, to have that skill to just to take that leap and just to go in that direction, to explore it. And that's the point of it. And uh, I think that's, it's uh, hard to understand that. I was telling Liz that about this topic. It's like, there's no way and y'all can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like there's no way anyone but entrepreneurs can learn can learn that 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 you can only create the next thing in your business by taking the next steps and having trust that it's gonna it's gonna be there. And it's mm-hmm. it's bizarre. Like how many times Liz did we not know how the rent was gonna be paid, or not know how we were gonna pay electric, or not know like so many years like several years of going through it enough times you start you start to understand that oh this is this is actually part of what i'm supposed to be doing this is how it actually works and that is uh i don't know where you where the hell you'd learn that (laughs) (laughs) no it's interesting i get this visual image um and it's it's absolutely perfect um the way you described it i get this visual image of entrepreneurs um, constantly walking up a flight of stairs that's like being built. It's just, it's being formed in your imagination and you just have to like put your foot down and just know that there's going to be a step there. And sometimes it's not going to be ready yet and you're going to stumble a little bit, but, but you're going to get right back up or you have to, or maybe you'll slide down, but you have to just take each step before the step is even built. It's, it is kind of, uh, amazing that, so many people are you know, willing to do that and do it and do it and do it, but you have to believe it's gotta be, yeah. You've always, yeah, I've always felt like it's, it's like a, there are many paths to like, I think spiritual depth or to 
to faith of any kind. And like, I think entrepreneurship is one of those modes that you can pass, you can take to get there because it, it makes you realize that's not just up to you that, yeah, there are so many forces at work that are bigger than you that you're energetically like generating things, you know, like, or pulling them to you, attracting things. Um, it is a very powerful feeling once you start to step into the skin of it and trust it. I, yeah, I like your visual of the staircase. I can see myself in the early years of like entrepreneurship kind of creeping up the stairs, like, oh, you know, and then after a while, I'm just like, all right, let's go. We're going, you know, like we're going up the stairs. I feel like it's so, like when you first start, you're just kind of like, you put your toe out. You're like, is there, is it solid? <laughs> yeah. And knock on it and like, is somebody else, anybody else see? Does anybody else see? There's a step there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Nope. I don't see one. Uh -uh. <laughs> hey, especially when it comes to money. Especially when it comes to money, it's really hard. It's really hard to, to take your steps whenever your financial security is on the line. Like, that's tough yeah but i think it changes i think it fundamentally changes you as a person for me it's definitely like it's changed me from being more uh, you know my the way i was raised was all about creating safety for yourself and being very like careful right mm -hmm. my dad's an engineer so he was all about making sure things were clear before you got into them right he would like engineer every road trip we ever took as a kid. He would engineer where all the suitcases and everything went in the back of the station wagon, like down to the, he would be like, no, you can't help me pack the car. I already figured out the best way to do it. I'm, I planned it. No one's going to mess it up. Right. And we would like give him, give him a hard time for it, but you know, it was a well-packed car. Yeah. Um, but instead we're just throwing stuff in the back seat and jumping in the car. You know what I mean? And, um, and it's just a more free experience for me to realize that I can take my intent with me and just trust that I'm going to get where I'm meant to go and not be so stressed out about getting it perfect all the time. Yes. I think that it's a, it's an ebb and flow of like having the mental image of what that, you know, what that staircase is going to look at, look like when, you know, as you're climbing it, you know, having, the blueprints of the strategy sometimes and sometimes just saying i'm just gonna run you know and hope yeah and and you know just totally. believe that that staircase will unfold in front of me and sometimes you feel like you're on a grand ballroom staircase <laughs> and, then, and then you trip on your dress <laughs> <laughs> fall down on the staircase yeah <laughs> totally totally done that <laughs> Yeah, me too. In real life and in business. That's me. I do both. Um, <laughs> so what advice do you have for someone who's just at that, that ideation stage where they're dreaming, but they're not creating yet. They're not quite ready. They're not quite emotionally ready. What advice do you have as they're getting ready to take that leap into the new venture? I think the first thing I would advise is um, write it down, <laughs> write it down, draw it, put it in a journal, write about it all the time because that starts to make it real. Like in the early stages, it's if there's nobody else that has the idea with you or you're not working with somebody on it, it's just in your mind. 
it is, it's so hard to make it feel real to you. And so uh, like Ben and I will always joke that our journals are the only proof of this whole thing for a very long time. There was no proof other than the journals. And now there's proof of in real life, people are experiencing our brand and our business. But with the early stages, I think writing it down and reflecting it to yourself and envisioning it is, is a super, super powerful tool because that helps you to articulate to other people and get them on board. What do you think then? Uh, so I would say I've got, so I have, I, I think it was in December, I, I concluded three things about entrepreneurship that wouldn't change. And, and if I ever had a TED talk, I was thinking these would be my three topics and they're so basic. But <laughs> if, you, if I would, and I'll just go through them real quick, but like, I think the number one thing is belief and so if you're if you're thinking about starting a business or thinking about doing anything creative to really reflect on what belief means to you and to think what is what does it mean for you to believe in this idea and what's it going to take for you to believe in it and then the second one is trust kind of like that idea we were talking about earlier like taking the next step even if you don't know what's in front of you spending some time reflecting on what does it mean to to have faith or trust that it's going to work and then the third one would be uh, courage because um, in entrepreneurship whether you're about to take your first step it's that's just the one of many 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 others steps of courage you're probably going to take so to just spend some time thinking about what does it mean to muster what does courage mean and uh what does it mean to you and how would you practice it in your own life. That's a really good point. I think a lot of people who haven't run a business before, or it's not their own, they're not an uh, entrepreneur or a business owner, um, don't realize how um, that beyond just getting it off the ground, that there's constant decisions to be made. Some of them are easy. A lot of them require um, faith and trust and courage on a daily, weekly, monthly, annual basis. And I would add to that, um, only now having heard you guys talk, um, I, I love the concept of everything that you guys had to begin with was ideas in a journal. Um, one of the things I think that entrepreneurs, and I think Ben, you may struggle with this, is um, not taking the time to look back and reflect on the successes on how much courage you put in in the past and how well it's worked and like for you guys how many um dreamers how many people you have helped move on to the next step and and you know take those next steps up the up the staircase and and into their future um that's that's something along with the you know not you know believing in or you know having that um imposter syndrome of, you know, am I good enough? You're constantly like dreaming of what's next. But in that, taking a moment to reflect and look back and um, yes, evaluate what worked, what didn't work, all that kind of stuff, but also say, damn, I did that. <laughs> like, that was awesome. Yeah, I think you're right. And that's one thing that is helpful to be able to go back and actually look at what, like I've written down about this over the years and like, 
I have this one um, folder of pictures, like digital photo photo pictures of all of the uh, whiteboards we've ever done, <laughs> of all of our brainstorms, all the way back to the beginning. Um, that kind of thing is just like so inspiring because you realize, oh my God, we have been working on this for so long and we were onto something way back then and now it's starting to come to life and it's very empowering to see that, um, definitely. And recognizing the manifestation of your ideas. You know, you put it on paper and sometimes you don't even realize you're actively working towards a particular part of it. You don't in the middle. Yeah, you don't think you are. Oh, shit. Even all this other stuff. We did that too. <laughs> yeah, we had a big moment like that this week because so at the very beginning and like when we first got a space together, we were drawing this vision on the whiteboard of like a spoken hubs and like all the locations where the unink would be someday. We had no idea how they would be or what would look, go on. We thought we'd build co-working spaces everywhere. Yeah, we thought we would build them. Ha <laughs> um, so ha. just partner. Turns out that shaves <laughs> up a lot of money. <laughs> and uh, we now have had like four spaces between the two of us. So we, we know that. Yeah. But this week we launched um, the, a map on our homepage for the first time ever of all of our spaces. And it's like a full circle moment, you know, of like we are literally manifesting this dream and it's better than what we thought it was going to be, you know? Yeah, that's cool. It's partnerships and it's, it's working with other entrepreneurs and other intentional businesses, not just our own, you know, like real estate <laughs> dreams or whatever. <laughs> Moguls. Yeah, mo real estate mogul status. We're not there yet, but yeah. Oh, cool. Is there anything else that you would want to share? I have one more thing I would say to someone who is, uh, just starting their idea or someone who's restarting their idea. Maybe their whole idea got knocked down the last season here. Um, I would say you, you have it, you know, mm -hmm. you have what it takes. You just got to believe that and move forward. No one else is going to bring this to the world, you know, the way that you are. I agree to that. <laughs> Cheers to that. Yeah. I think the key yeah. part in that as well is the way you are just because it's been done or done similarly or there's something else no one else is going to bring it to the world the way you are yeah it's true That's beautiful thank you guys i have absolutely adored talking to you and i wish we could continue on and on and on perhaps we'll do it again yeah we'd love so to much for having us we would love to do it again absolutely thank you guys so much We'll see you around sometime when drinks can be had <laughs> in real life. Yes. Thank you for thinking of us. Thank you for bringing us on your, on your podcast. Happy to be here and happy to do it again. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for spending so much time and thoughtful energy with me. You're welcome. Thanks Steph. You're welcome. Hey, so what did you think of MVP Business? If you liked it, please subscribe and tell all your friends. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. If you didn't like it, don't just leave. Let me know what I can do to improve who you'd like to hear from and what you'd like to learn.
The mission of MVP Business is to share the strengths and struggles of leaders who have successfully grown their businesses while staying true to their mission and vision so that other entrepreneurs can follow, knowing that the path isn't easy, but the journey's worth it. If you believe in this mission, please help by living it and sharing it. In the meantime, enjoy the day and live with passion.